0: Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. For his anger endureth but a moment, and his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. What better words to use to introduce the joy and beauty of Psalms and the words of the Psalms themselves? I invite you to join us in our study today and encourage each of us to request divine understanding that the Spirit can teach us individually and specifically. Welcome to Come Follow Up.
1: Music is important in my worship, especially because I'm a dancer and music is in dance
2: a lot. It makes me feel closer to myself and in hymns closer to God.
0: When I hear a beautiful piece of music, no matter whether it's a hymn, like a gospel hymn or one of the Psalms, or even like a beautiful song that someone plays on electric guitar or something like that. I feel the spirit. I feel a little portion of God showing me some little glimpse of what heaven is like.
3: hymns will pop into my mind and I will sing them. One of them that comes to my mind often is, I need thee every hour. And those hymns
1: do bring me comfort.
4: As you sing, words you've sung before, if your heart is open, the Spirit can come in and confirm that truth to you.
0: Welcome everybody, thank you for being here. Today's discussion topics come from the first portion of the Psalms and the two topics we're going to discuss are first, the Psalms point our minds to the life and ministry of Jesus Christ and the second topic is, joy cometh in the morning. And to help us with our discussion, we wanna first welcome one of our scholars, Sean Hopkin. Welcome, Sean. Thank you. Sean is the department chair of ancient scripture at BRU. He has a PhD in Hebrew from the University of Texas, and he taught seminary for 15 years. We're excited to have you here, Sean. Thank
5: you, really glad to be here.
0: And uh, seated next to Sean, we have Yehosh Bonner, Uh, Yahosh is a member of the very musically talented Bonner family. He is a performer, a motivational speaker, and is also an athletic director of a local high school, correct?
2: Yep, yep, American Heritage School. I teach and uh, coach, and I love athletics. I'm so blessed to be here.
0: So before we dive into the specific topics, I just want to get some initial thoughts on uh, what we're going to be talking about today with the Book of Psalms.
5: But Psalms just speaks to the heart. It just is really comforting, motivational, uh, strengthening, uh, and and I love going there. I encourage people to go there to get the help they need in in times of challenge. All right, thank
2: you. Yehosh, how about you? I I love Psalms. My parents quote from Psalms a lot, and uh, I love gospel music. My mom has a gospel choir. I've always grown up singing, and many of the songs that we sing are inspired from scriptures from Psalms.
0: Well, good. Well, we're excited to, uh, to dive in specifically with our first topic, the Psalms pointing our minds to the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. Sean, uh, you want to give us a little bit of background explanation of what the Psalms are? Do we know who wrote them or any other insights you can to help us as we dive into this?
5: Honestly, if I was going to pick my favorite books from the Hebrew Bible, from the Old Testament, Isaiah Has to Win, and then it's Psalms, which which actually reverses the order Jesus probably would have put it in. <laughs> he quoted most from Psalms and then Isaiah after that. The Hebrew Bible is organized a little differently than the Book of Mormon, which is what we're used to reading Storyline Stories. You know, then you get a few little things like Nephi Psalm thrown in and Second Nephi four. And here you've we've had the historical books already, and these are what are known as the Ketuvim or the writings. And uh, they, they are there with Proverbs and uh, Ecclesiastes They're, uh, the, to teach wisdom, to teach about a relationship with the Lord. But if you take the Psalms themselves, think of studying the hymn book, right? And, and it's a collection of praises, of uh, pleadings for mercy and for help. Uh, there's royal psalms, there's temple psalms. And, and imagine starting in hymn one you'd need to read that a little differently than, like, than you would something with a storyline, right? right? So yeah. you know, what, what it, what's the feeling here? What's the concept and how, and, and how does that build? And they are organized fairly thematically, right? So you can okay. sort of go to a certain space and get a, a, a certain kind of a psalm, just like we would go find sacrament hymns in a certain part of the hymn book, so to speak. Who wrote them? Uh, there are probably a lot of different people who wrote the psalms, and then, uh, David being one of those. The superscriptions that sort of say who wrote these, those probably were added a little bit later. But there's a wide variety of of experiences that are found there. And so you can find yourself in the Psalms, I guess is what what I would say.
0: So, Yohosh, you mentioned that your your parents read the Psalms to you uh, growing up. Mm -hmm. What were you taught the Psalms represented?
2: Oh my goodness. It's a huge question. (laughs) (laughs) Well, first that it's a personal, David is he's vulnerable and the other writers they're vulnerable and speaking just openly to their father in heaven and and about the importance of that relationship with the Lord okay you know and my dad um his favorite psalm and mine is, is is 23 you know and I even had that printed on my my missionary plaque um it was something really important for us to know that Jesus he is the good shepherd and we're gonna follow him. He's going to lead us in paths of righteousness. And that was the key, is having that personal relationship with the Savior and following him. Through our mistakes, continue to follow him, continue to have a conversation.
0: Oh, that's great, I love it. So if we were to put another word in place, or if, if there was another uh, word that we could describe a, a modern day Psalm, what sort of words, phrases would we use so that we can understand, oh, a Psalm is?
5: right. Well, so the Hebrew behind it, which is probably not what you were uh, thinking. Oh, te- that's exactly
0: what I was going for. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So now we can think this
5: Hebrew word is tehillim, and okay. it, it generally praises. Uh, and so if okay. you think really of worshiping, and, and if you want to get into an attitude of worship, an attitude of connecting yes. uh, heart, mind, body, soul to the Lord, I'm expressing through song, through prayer, a relationship with God. And, and it... Wow. And the act of doing that brings you into that relationship.
0: Do you see, um, not specifically with hymns, but do you see psalms appear in other forms of music, other artists? Absolutely. Um, even in mainstream music.
2: Mm. You know, specifically with what I do, I, I do a lot of inspirational and, and gospel and praise music, and it's everywhere. You know, my Lord, He calls me, He calls me by the thunder. Psalms talk about how the Lord's voice is is, is a voice of thunder. A trumpet sounds within my soul. This is an African-American spiritual, a Negro spiritual sung by my ancestors. It's it's everywhere. And the praise, like you said, your mindset just changes when you read the Psalms in that way rather than getting through storyline. No, take your time
5: and, and make it personal. First of all, I think Yaho should be required to answer all every time with music and singing. <laughs> can we all That's, agree uh, with that? Uh, no. yeah. <laughs> uh, that is so, so nice. And, and then second of all, you can see that this idea of you're expressing the soul and it has meaning to others. I, Jesus didn't just quote it because it was doctrinally accurate or doctrinally powerful. Jesus quoted it, I believe, because it moved his soul, right? And so that comes to mind. Uh, there's Bonner songs that will, uh, it'll get stuck in very positive ways in, in my head. And, and you just, and they're beautiful phrases that will strengthen you that just play, you know, throughout the day that turn you to the Lord. They get in the
0: soul. I love that. So Sean, you mentioned earlier that Jesus quotes the Psalms more than any other, any other book. Right. Can you give us a little more, like, how much is he quoting them? Give us an idea.
5: So, so if you look across the New Testament, 283 quotations of Hebrew Bible of Old Testament throughout the New Testament 116 of those a significant percentage more than anything else after Psalms Isaiah and then Deuteronomy and and so the these are woven throughout the New Testament. That's how powerful they were. And then you see them in Doctrine and Covenant. You know, when Joseph is in Liberty Jail, mm-hmm. what's he in? Wow. He's going right to the Psalms to express his feelings. Mm.
0: That's fascinating. I knew that Isaiah was quoted a ton, but I really didn't know how often the Psalms were quoted by Jesus. That's great. Any thoughts from the audience on how you have used Psalms to point you back to Jesus Christ? Enoch, go ahead. The Psalms helped me to know that when I was feeling down one day and I was like uh, not feeling
3: that well, I was just um, humming a song um, in the hymns and that really um, lifted me. So much power right? there.
0: Th- That's the point of these, it is, it is to, to point us back to Jesus Christ, to remind us of Him. And I'd love another comment from the audience. Linda, go ahead.
1: I love how David, like even in um, Psalms 4, the very first verse, he says, he enlarges me in those times of distress. And so many times I think if we remember in those times where we feel inadequate to turn to the Lord and um, have faith and he enlarges what we are. Mm. Linda, is there something
0: specific that comes to your mind in your own life where you have really had to, to use
1: that? I think there's a lot of us in this room that can actually relate to parenting. I mean, so many times as we're raising our children, we think, oh, I'm the worst mom, or I'm not doing this right, or how can I meet this child's needs? Or maybe they choose different than what you think they should. If I remember, anyway, to turn to um, Heavenly Father first. And um, as David did, he always said, hear me, hear my prayers. And if we have that great desire to connect with Heavenly Father during— every time in our life, but especially during these times of distress when we're trying to figure things out. Those are times when the Holy Ghost can really touch our hearts and expand what we are and bring thoughts into our minds that we wouldn't normally think of as parents as we're raising our children.
0: Linda, thank you so much. I just love that idea of how thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. What a beautiful thought.
2: Especially as a parent. Right? I, mean, I feel like, oh my gosh. I thought I was doing it right. I'm messing up, you know? <laughs> but the Lord, you know, he sees our imperfections, you know, and he enlarges us. He makes us better than what we could ever
5: be by ourselves. And, and I would just, when, when I read this and the Spirit says to me, it's gonna be okay. The, the blessing, I promise you these blessings will come and the heart is comforted, and then we have to believe that as though it had already happened. God's word never failed. And if anybody, anybody, when the Spirit has said to you, that blessing's gonna come to you, then you just hold on to that because it's sure, it is sure, and that, the Psalms express that, I think, so beautifully, that confidence in the promises of the Lord.
0: I, I love that these, these Psalms or the scriptures in general the, the real power comes when we can connect ourselves to them. And we had an amazing question from one of our viewers, and I'd love to get from both of you your thoughts on how we can relate to these Psalms.
2: Hi, my name's Angie. I'm from Ogden, Utah. Um, when reading Psalms, my question is kind of how you would interpret that in modern day. Would that be interpreted as a scripture or more of a hymn, or how would that look like if we read it in uh, our modern day?
5: So I think we've been talking a little bit about that, right? Uh, Yes, a song, yes, a script, uh, yes, all of the above. In in our worship services, we come in and, and it's sort of like we're living our ordinary lives and what do we start with? We start with music, which is a prayer, and I don't know if you've ever thought about it. We're speaking words, but we're speaking them in unified, right, and the power of unified prayer, I'm saying the same things, I'm thinking the same thoughts as someone all the way across the room and we're seeking to enter into the presence of God and then we move to the sacrament portion, it's like we've gone from the holy place and we're seeking to enter into the holy of holies, beyond that veil into God's presence and and if, if we're singing, I'd love to be in a sacrament meeting with Yehoshan, you know, <laughs> and, and he's, he's sounding a little better than I am, but he's uh, he's singing the same things I am And and this unified prayer at the veil, so to speak, and that think of that sacrament tablecloth, and then the veil is removed. And as a group and individually, we enter into the presence of God because we have prayed at His feet, all of our hearts and minds unified. And it's this is moving, it's ancient and it's modern.
0: I love it.
2: Amen. <laughs> hey, you said something earlier, too, that really hit me to the heart because we know who the Savior is, we know what He's capable of, we know who wins. You know, and so I I think about, again, going back to the music that I grew up listening to and hearing, and I think about the the children of Israel. And they were enslaved for a long time, but did they lose their faith? No, sometimes. (laughs) Some of them did, but overall they kept it, and that's what strengthened them to allow them to survive a lot of those atrocities and and hardships in their enslavement. My ancestors and their enslavement here in in America, they sang praises to God. Mm And they were thankful and, and giving praise and thanks in that kind of situation strengthened them. And that strength is still here for us. You <laughs> said it's modern and it's ancient. God is unchanging. So we can still receive that same strength that our ancestors received in their time. I,
0: I and love that. I love how you, you're making that connection with your ancestors. How, how did music point your ancestors to the Savior and how does that continue today?
2: I love that question. Well, my ancestors, In America, after Africa, they were not allowed to read or write. And so the way that they learned about Christ and the scriptures and about God was often through these spirituals, through music. And that's something that I do with my family. We'll be in the car just driving and I'll start singing and my kids will join every time. I don't even have to say, I just start singing. He's an on-time God. Yes, he is. And all of a sudden, these little voices, he's an on-time God. No. You know, and, and it's something that unite, unites us and also teaches us about the Savior. And I've learned later in my life as a song that from my childhood comes to my mind and I'm like, whoa, that's what it meant. This is what I was learning, you know. And so it's something that continues to gift me and continues to bless me with a strengthened relationship with my Savior,
0: I love that. I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm going to do a little experiment. Okay. okay. All right, here we okay, go. Okay, audience, you guys ready? I'm mean, going to need your help with this one a little bit. Okay, so I want you to quote from a psalm, and then I want you to sing it. And I want you to tell me, what is the difference? Did it change the meaning or the feeling behind the same words on just how they were delivered?
2: Okay, Psalms 8, uh, 1. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Oh Lord, How excellent? How excellent! How, how excellent! How excellent is thy
0: name. Did you feel that? Like that's amazing. Tell me, from your perspective, what's the difference?:
2: I just feel it through my whole body. you know I feel God's love and I feel so much gratitude, um, and there's so much power in the Savior's name.
0: That's amazing. What, 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 what do you guys think? Why did you, What was the difference between hearing it read and hearing it sung in that manner? And go ahead, please.
3: I think when you were speaking the words it added to my intellect and understanding. But when you were singing the words, they added a feeling. They emoted a plea or a cry and something I could truly identify in my own emotional experience. Mm.
6: Please. The Lord knows what we're, we're, or our heart. And when we sing it, I think the spirit is enhanced. I've, uh, I've had experiences in singing that I know that I had to stop. And you know, especially when you're doing a solo, you're not supposed to cry, (laughs) you know what I mean? So you hold it back, but you still express the emotion. And the spirit gets so strong that you're just overwhelmed by it. You feel the tingling and you feel the spirit so strong. And it's been a very important part of my life. Thank you so much for sharing that. So, Sean, we see that so many of these psalms
0: point to Christ, yet he uses those psalms himself. Can you explain that connection a little bit?
5: So, I'm really glad you asked. We've got to to go to Psalm 22 for a moment, if we could. Um, If we're talking about the psalms point to Christ, and then Christ uses the psalms, I don't know that there's a better place. In fact, I would describe, this has been described before, uh, as one of the two twin pillars of Old Testament prophecy of Christ. It's quoted in the passion narratives in those last uh, hours and days of Jesus' life as often, slightly more often than Isaiah 53 is. Um, And and notice the very first line, it points to Christ's experience, and then Christ quotes it, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That's the line, that's one of the few lines we get from him on the cross. So the, the powerful thing here is that Christ is fulfilling prophecy as he quotes that he's expressing his own feelings mm. and and maybe even more powerfully the beautiful thing here is this is the first line of a of a song of a of a hymn of a psalm and so imagine you are devastated as you're watching the savior on the cross and he quotes the first line of a song. It'd be like a Latter-day Saint saying, come, come ye saints, and and there's a nice message in that line, but you've got that whole hymn now. He has accessed that entire hymn, and the beautiful thing is, it ends triumphantly. Someone is in, in suffering, pleading with the Lord, and then triumphant, and he is saying to his followers, yes, I'm feeling this, and God will rescue me, he will rescue us, this is not the end.
0: You know, as I'm thinking about this conversation, this experience that we're having, I really do hope that for those that are watching at home, that the next time they're in a sacrament meeting, they will use those, those moments to draw closer to the Savior. And this has been a great discussion as we've talked about how the Psalms point our minds to the life and ministry of Jesus Christ.
1: The thing that gives me hope during heartache is remembering David and his Psalms and how deep and heartfelt his prayers were to the Lord. It wasn't just words, it was so deep and so he opened up his soul to Heavenly Father.
0: When I'm going through heartache or a dark night, as it referred to in one of the Psalms today, is taking time to remember every day, looking back to see God's hand in my life. And as you do that day after day after day, that can give you strength to know that the sun's always gonna rise.
2: Something that I find brings me hope during heartache is knowing that I chose
3: to be here. I think I knew everything that I would be going through, and I knew I could do it. God knew I could do it too.
0: So the second topic we're gonna discuss today is joy cometh in the morning. And this comes from one of the specific Psalms. And unlike a lot of the other scriptures, Psalms is unique in that we're not following a storyline. So we can actually dive in specifically to this topic based off of Psalm 30, verse five. Do you mind reading that for us? Weeping may
5: endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning.
0: Let's talk about that a little bit. What do we? What's our takeaway from this idea of joy coming in the morning?
5: The, the imagery there that the psalmist is using of a dark night and acknowledging, and, and I love how open he is with, what he's feeling, right, with his emotions. There's fear, there's sorrow, there's a concern, but there's this belief that light comes at the end of that darkness. Mm -hmm. So there's a time for weeping, we might say, and to feel that and to let ourselves feel that with the hope that that's a process that then we pass through into joy. So So can we talk
0: about that? You said weeping, which is in the scripture. What's the difference? Uh, How does the use of the term weeping give meaning to the follow-up of joy.
5: As Lehi might put it, opposites in all things, right? You experience Mm -hmm. one so you can understand the other and and you put them in tension with each other. And all of a sudden that joy, there's such a sense of unburdening that comes on the other side.
0: Elder Hales had a beautiful quote uh, specifically about this. He says, won't all of us sometime have reason to ask, oh God, where art thou? Yes, when a spouse dies, a companion will wonder. When financial hardship befalls a family, a father will ask. When children wander from the path, a mother and father will cry out in sorrow. Yes, weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Then, in the dawn of our increased faith and understanding, we arise and choose to wait upon the Lord, saying, Thy will be done. I think God is consistent. He's unchanging.
2: And so that light will always be there. We're going to go through some hard times, (laughs) some of us more than others. And it might look different for me than it does for you. But as we believe in God, and, and I love this scripture that comes from Romans, Romans 8, chapter 8. And it says, all things work for the good of those who love God. There's going to be light. No matter what I'm going through now, as hard as it is and as atrocious as it may seem, all things work for me, for my good, because I love God. And I love Him more than just what I say. It's how I live, it's how I treat my brothers and sisters.
0: Right? So, Yehosh, you, you kind of, uh, earlier, you mentioned a little bit about your ancestors. Can you speak a little bit to us about how they would use this mm. principle of enduring that long night and the joy that came, and how did they get through that?
2: Oh my goodness, I can only, I can only imagine the hardship of everyday living for my ancestors, those who were enslaved, and for them to still raise their voices in joy. And I think because they did, and because they praised God through song and shared that testimony and believing in Him, regardless of what their current day situation, knowing that this life is temporary. That's what I love about um, the connection between my ancestry and the the ancestry of those who have um, pioneer heritage. Because those people, they came across, they endured some hardships. But come, come you saints, all is well. We're gonna get through this, you know? And I was just thinking about my grandmother's funeral. Mm-hmm. And I'm smiling because the music was amazing. And they named it a celebration of life. Mm-hmm. And my uncle got up and sang, and the choir, the gospel choir that she was a part of sang, and the elders came. and it was it was such a great celebration and music really set that atmosphere and the, and the tone, it brought the spirit. And not only did it make us feel good, but it taught us the things that were shared through those lyrics taught us. This music and our testimonies connect us to one another because we're all whose children? We're God's children, you know? And to share that testimony, to share that music, um, it's something that it, it really connects me with not just my personal family, but, to you guys, my brothers, you know, uh, and so it's been really special to know where I come from, to know what uh, trailblazing has happened in my ancestry, and to continue in sharing not only my music, but my testimony through music with my children,
5: and the Israelites too, right? I mean, yes, y- you mentioned that before, absolutely. Israelites, uh, your own ancestors, the the pioneers, right? There, there's some there are some points of contact in those experiences, I think.
0: Have any of you experienced those difficult waiting through that long night for that morning to come? Tiffany, please.
7: I. It can be so hard when we are, especially when we're trying to do something that we feel like the Lord has told us to do and we're not seeing the results that we expect. Most recently, um, my husband and I, we were discussing Family and we both felt really strongly that we needed to start our family. And we kept trying and kept trying and kept trying and had fertility problems and it was really frustrating and really hard. So we continued with faith and prayer and fasting. We found out last week that we're pregnant. Mm. But what I learned from that experience was learning to really trust in Him and the promises He makes to us. We were really taught that he knows what's best for us. And in this particular case, he knows what's best for our child and when our child needed to come into the world.
0: How did you get through that night?
7: There's a lot of prayer and fasting, of course. Um, Music is a big thing for me. And then support system, family and friends, and being able to talk to people about it and continuing to plan and move ahead With our best efforts, knowing that the Lord will take care of everything else. It might not be in the timing that we want or expect. He's promised us that we will receive those blessings. That's
2: beautiful. Thank you so much. Hearing her testimony, it's uplifted me. Mm -hmm. And it makes me think about, man, that's the gospel right there. Because your trial and the testimony that you gained, it might not even have been about you but about the people that are gonna hear your testimony, what you went through and how you can bless their lives.
0: Kristen.
4: Oh, I just love this. When the biggest heartbreak that I've ever been through in my life a number of years ago, when I thought I was gonna marry someone, didn't happen. I felt like my heart was literally shattered. And I love Psalms because it's so visual. And I, I remember, I think this is the first time I really felt like I prayed a Psalm, like really just like from the gut. And I remember falling on gravel on my knees and just saying, Heavenly Father, you gotta hold my heart. Like, I need you to hold it. And I felt that, but that was, it was a long time that I needed that. It was a long night. And I'm, I mean, to this day, we won't talk about years, but I'm still not married. And I feel like, okay, that is such a good desire, like Tiffany was saying. Um, But just like nighttime, there are stars and a moon, sometimes it's all black, but often there's light all night. And yes, the sun will be the brightest and it will be glorious, but those stars and that moon, that will sustain you if you can find light every day. And even now, I am so grateful for the heartache that I've been through because even right after that prayer, that initial prayer, I remember the Lord just putting people in my path that we're also going through heartbreak. And in the midst of mine, I felt like my heart was like, oh look, we can be used. And it's like in the nighttime, find the stars and then the sun will come eventually and we'll all be warmed up. <laughs> I love
0: that. <laughs> what beautiful comments, thank you both.
5: We are eternal beings. God is an eternal being and time is different for God and we are uncomfortable in this linear time. And so you can feel it. These blessings are gonna come, but you gotta wait for it. Then sometimes it seems like it goes deeper. Wait, no, I don't have anything left to give. And then deeper, right? For God, the blessings that come on the other side of that are now. And they are just as real. They're not less real than the current in the moment experience. And so if there's someone who is longing for relationship and and hasn't, that, that loneliness is here now but it'll come and it's just as real right now as the experience that you're feeling, right? And so this- He's an on-time God.
2: <laughs> it might be in this life, it might be in the next, but he's his time is the best time.
5: Joy comes in the morning and the morning is as sure as the night, even though we're in the middle of the night. So let me just share an experience of a friend of mine. I teach Isaiah pretty regularly uh, in my day job there at BYU. and. I was going to teach one day, and a friend, a colleague, I just passed her in the hall, and she said, what do you teach? And I said, oh, I'm teaching Isaiah 61. This is the what Jesus quotes when he's in Nazareth to announce his messianic ministry. And, uh, and she got emotional. She said, that scripture saved my life. She said, there was a time when it all fell apart for me, my marriage fell apart, everything. Everything was upside down. And she said, honestly, I couldn't go to church, I felt like I was being judged by God. Like Just my state of being was so unhealthy that I felt like God, when I read the scriptures, felt like God was telling me I was bad, you know? And she said, all I could do is read 61. And I read it over and over and over every day. And uh, this verse, to appoint unto them, this is Jesus' role, so we're talking about the Psalms pointing to Jesus and getting us through these dark nights, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. And she said, light came after the dark night that I thought was never going to end. And it was these kinds of psalm, uh, kinds of moments here in Isaiah 61 that pulled me through that dark night and gave me hope that light would come on the other side. That's That's beautiful.
0: You know, as we've been talking uh, today throughout this episode, the beauty of the Psalms, they all lead us back to Christ. They help lift us uh, in those dark moments. When you're just Yahosh doing his thing all alone, (laughs) how often do you reflect on music as a strength to lift you in your moments of those sorrow and despair?
2: Very often. Um, anytime I'm in despair, the music's involved. <laughs> so I can't think of a time where I wouldn't be looking for a song or singing a song, and it's a it's a joyful noise, you know. And the scriptures and, and psalms make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Um I think that's key for for and therapeutic for me as his child and, and to connect with my savior As music is 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 center with that.
0: Thank you so much for sharing that. This has been an amazing conversation. I wanna thank you all for your comments and for your experiences and your testimonies. As we've talked about, first, the Psalms point our minds to the life and ministry of Jesus Christ, and then the second topic of joy cometh in the morning.
7: I felt so much of the Spirit. I felt like I learned so much more about how to understand the Psalms and relate them to my life, and also why and how the Savior used the Psalms in His teaching. It makes me really want to go back and study those sections even more.
6: There was a lot of things going through my mind, and I understood that the Lord really, I've known this all my life because I'm a musician and I've sung many spiritual songs, and been in situations where I felt the Spirit, the Lord was pleased that we were singing hymns unto Him. And uh, that that kept coming over and over in my mind, and Psalms, among the the Israelites was very important because it gave them comfort and it gave them the ability to go on and move forward. Welcome to Come Follow Up Footnotes. Uh, We're excited
0: to welcome uh, a new guest with us, Mary Jane Rice. Welcome, Mary Jane. Thank you. I'm going to give you a chance to introduce yourself and to kind of give the viewers uh, a little bit of information about who you are and what you're going to bring to this discussion.
3: I am a poet, primarily. I'm also an author. I've Uh, published a couple of books of poetry, and I sit on the board of the Mormon Lit Lab as the secretary.
0: Very cool. Well, we're excited to learn from you, and a really fun fact that I just learned about you is that with this Come, Follow Me resource that we have uh, given to us by the church to help increase our knowledge, understanding scriptures, you took a different take to better help you participate, understand this program. Will you tell us what you did?
3: Yeah, it's a little crazy, but <laughs> since it started, for almost three years, I've written a poem every week to go along with the Come Follow Me lesson for that wow, week. Wow, that's amazing. amazing. The point of it was that I knew that if I had to distill some kind of message into a poem, then I would pay more attention and I would get more out of it.
0: Are we going to be able to hear some of that today? I, I, I that's, Let's just jump right into some of your, your poetry and what you have to share with us.
3: I've only published one book from that project so far. These are the New Testament poems. Yeah. I was gonna share one poem from it though because uh, we're talking about Psalms today and this poem has a quote in it from Psalm 22. Uh, which is a messianic psalm. So the quote, will, you'll hear it in the middle of the poem is, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But the image is taken from John 16 mm. when Jesus is explaining to the disciples that you know it's gonna be a little while before you see me again. Mm. And they're like, what, what's a little while? What does that mean? And he's like, well, it's like a woman who's in labor. Now, I don't know, you guys have never been in labor before, no. but that does not feel like a little while. So, I put those two images together and the quote from Psalm 22. Transition. Duration is relative. I tell you this as forewarning so you don't stumble. When you are gripped by labor, time grinds on brittle gears. A little while spins into eternity. Husband hovers over, ministers count by count until on brim of insanity you cry out in despair My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Look at me, he says, you can do this. Breathe, breathe, breathe as heartbeats thump, rush, and flow of blood pumps in your ears until it's finished. You soon forget how close to death you felt. Joyful now that someone new is born into this old, old world.
5: Mm. Wow. (laughs) <laughs> that was beautiful. Oh, I love that. We got the is, it is finished in there. That was that was so nice.
0: How has your experience through poetry helped you through life?
3: On this particular project with writing the poems every week, it's really helped me to liken the scriptures to myself, like Nephi is always talking about. But I've also tried to put a particular emphasis on coming closer to Jesus Christ because sometimes it's intellectually easy to understand things but it's harder to feel them in your heart. So I've been trying to really, really focus on um, that spiritual connection and coming closer to Jesus Christ.
0: Wow.
2: I love how, you know, David wrote his Psalms. You wrote your your poems, you know, uh, me and others were singing. You know, David also danced. There's so many opportunities to enlarge what we already know, but we have to put the pen to the paper. We have to open our mouths. We have to use these gifts or these passions that God's put on our hearts to share our testimonies. And then he just makes it so much more.
0: I love that. Okay. Now I wanted, because we're in this setting and and we can, uh, I just want to go around and ask you, do you have a favorite Psalm? How have you used it? When have you used it in your life? You want to start us off? I would love to start.
2: I, I kind of mentioned it before, but This is my missionary plaque. I I served a mission in Florida, and uh, it was a special time for me. And the scripture that I chose is a scripture that my dad always recited with us. But it's Psalms 23, and it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Like you said, David was more than just... You know, a psalmist. He was he was also a shepherd. And the symbol is the symbolization of a shepherd and the way that he uses it in describing the savior is continued throughout the scriptures. And I would really love to hear more of what you think about that.
5: So there is this time-honored tradition in in the Israelite experience of kings and leaders. Who are also shepherds, which is sort of this, as we might think of it, a blue collar. You're not rich. You're out in the, you know, in the middle of nowhere, and you got a lot of time to think. Clearly, David had done some practicing with a sling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, is that kind of like a uh, King
0: Benjamin type of? As, yes, of the king who's working with the, absolutely.
5: Okay. He understands the poor. And, and then the way you interact with animals as a shepherd is is very nurturing. And it's very individualized. Uh, so you didn't have these huge um, herds or flocks like like you might think of in Western uh, ranching. When when the sheep is sick, they'd be nurtured. Like carry you carry a young sheep, like cradled in your arms. You would name the sheep. And and I just think of this Isaiah image of the all powerful arms of God, these powerful arms that create the universe cradling a, a tender little sheep. And he says, I'm, I'm the good shepherd. That, that's the image he uses, that image you've keyed in on, Yehoshah. It's, it's really powerful, scripturally.
0: Awesome, thank you. Thank you. Mary Jane, how about you? What Psalms, or, or did you wanna add anything well, to Well, I you? wanted
3: to add just a little bit from a more modern perspective, is that um, the Lord is the shepherd that makes us the sheep. And I don't know about you guys, but you don't hear people using sheep as a compliment when they're labeling somebody with sheep. But I've often thought how in the scriptures, the sheep that stays with the herd or the flock is the wise one. Because sticking with the shepherd and sticking with the other people who are supporting you is a protection. The sheep who wander off, they're the ones that get taken by the wolves. Um, but I, I pulled out a couple verses from Psalm 32 one that I really liked. Verses eight and nine, where it switches voice to the Lord, I think, who is talking back to us. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Be ye not as the horse or as the mule, which have no understanding whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. And to me, it's like, I am pretty stubborn. And, uh, but I, it's telling me, stop being stubborn. You don't need to have something bad happen to you to turn to me. Don't be like that.
0: <laughs> I love that. I love that too. That's great. I think it's your turn. My turn? Yeah. <laughs> what do you got for so us? So gotta, I've
5: gotta, i got to give another shout out to Psalm 22. Yes. You <laughs> quoted it as well. As far as uh, Psalms that point us to Christ, that point the Christian heart and mind to Christ, there isn't a better one from my perspective. Uh, in fact, let me just mention, I'm gonna just be a little bit Hebrew nerdy here for a second <laughs> if that's all right. Psalm 22:16. 16, the assembly of the wicked have enclosed me, they pierced my hands and my feet. So the Hebrew there, there's a debate about it because it's, and it's the difference between this little yod letter or a vav letter and in the Masoretic text, it's a yod, and it doesn't say they pierced. But then there's this ancient translation into Septuagint where, that uses this verb, they pierced as though they're supposed to be a vav there. It got to be such a big deal, this one verse did, that in, in medieval times, a Jewish person looking to buy a Bible would turn right to this verse wow. and say, nope, that's not my Bible. That's a Christian wow. Bible, right? Yeah. Um, Dead Sea Scrolls, there's a little fragment that was found at Nahal uh, just outside of the Qumran society area, and it's got the, it's got a vav, it's got, it's our only Hebrew attestation of what we see in the Greek Septuagint, which is they pierce my hands and my feet, and uh, so it's sort of this, deep, I mean, you can see that, how Christ-centered that is, they pierce my hands and my feet, we don't really get anything else like that in Old Testament terms. One last thing about Psalm 22, it, as I mentioned earlier, starts my god my god why hast thou forsaken me and then it ends triumphantly and it talks about okay all these things have happened but i trust in god and then it sort of shifts time frames and space uh orientations and he's there's this group that he's going to bear testimony of triumphantly of his triumph Mm. and if you go to psalm 22 notice how it mirrors and ties together with Doctrine and Covenants 138, um, which is Joseph F. Smith's testimony of Christ's descent to the spirit world and those who are assembled waiting for him and how he bears witness there. And so this isn't just important for the mortal Christ, but the post-mortal ministry, the work of the dead, Psalm 22, is is, (laughs) it's it's a pretty big deal. Just how powerful and important it is for us as Latter-day Saints and as Christians.
0: I love that, that's great. Uh, Mary James, have you been able to use your poetry to draw others to Christ?
3: When I write these poems, in order to kind of give me some accountability, I will often share these poems with people who might be members of the church or who might not. And I actually have a little discord group that I share a lot of it with as well, and the members of this group are an atheist, an agnostic, an orthodox member, a Catholic, and a an evangelical. Yeah. And so I get a chance to say, "Hey, this really meant something to me. I just want to post this and share it with you today." And they've been very open. You know, I know they don't believe the same as I do about everything, mm-hmm. but I was going to be spotlighted on something that I was looking to write a little bio of myself and the, my Orthodox friend said, hey, I don't look at it as Mormon poetry, quote unquote Mormon poetry. I just look at it as poetry. Mm-hmm. And I read it and I understood it and I liked it. So wow. yes. <laughs>
0: I'm so glad you shared that. And, and, yeah. and, you know, I was, I was just curious because of, you know, how beautiful the Psalms are and how they are universal, and how they can be applied to like so many different religions and different people in whatever phase they are in their life and one of the, the topics we discussed you know joy cometh in the morning i'm just fascinated on how does a people that has been through so much keep that positive positive attitude i, I was able to go to ghana africa
2: with a couple of my brothers my sister and my niece and i would never been to africa before and that's the land of my ancestors. I've always felt a disconnect because I don't know what tribe I belong to. I don't know the language that my ancestors spake. Don't have the last name. I didn't know any of that. But once I got there and met with a lot of the saints there, they said, "Welcome home, Bonners." You know, mm. and they mm. and they and they loved me. And I felt like, wow, these these absolutely are my people. There's a connection there. I thought about just the journey of of being enslaved and then making the trip across and then being in a foreign land. And the songs that they sang were songs of praise. They're praising God in the field when they're enslaved and working and to many of them till death. But they had a belief of knowing that there was going to be a better day, a brighter day. And if it wasn't for them in this life, it was gonna be for them in the next life. And that their children, because they survived and worked through some of these hard atrocities, their children or their children's children or their children's children would receive um, freedom. And for me, it strengthens me and it makes me so grateful for their testimony because that testimony strengthened them, not just spiritually, but physically. They took him with them in the fields and wherever they were at.
5: You know, I was thinking about what you were saying so beautifully and and believing in God didn't necessarily take them out of that challenge. And yet, it did. When the psalms singing, uh, the, the the music that they would create, I wonder if during those moments, and, and I think of my own life in in difficult moments, I have. But when I'm I'm praising God, when I'm worshiping, especially in music, right? It just. It's all washed away, it's all gone for a brief mm. moment. And, and life is still difficult on the yeah. other side, but there's these moments of heaven. And it doesn't matter what the, maybe to a certain degree, it doesn't matter what the situation is, right? And he can make those burdens light. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think it works. I think that works.
0: Mary Jane, what are your thoughts on this idea of Psalms bringing people this hope, that no matter what they're going through, that the morning is coming?
3: So it says specifically, for his anger endureth but a moment. In his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. I was pondering this and thinking, we came to this earth to go through difficult times. The Lord is not a helicopter parent. When he sees us fall down or have trouble, he will stay back sometimes for a little while and see how we manage with it and whether we can get back up. And that is the moment when we cry out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I've had experiences like that in my life. One time, my husband lost his job for nine or ten months. Well, I was able to go back to work full time, and that was a blessing for our life. But in the meantime, we had four little boys that had to be taken care of, and we couldn't find steady child care, There, no place where they could all go. And they just bounced around from friends to family members, whoever was, available. And I remember sitting at work, just tears coming down my face because I wanted to be home with my children. And I knew the Heavenly Father wanted me to be home with my children. Why wasn't he making it possible? But at the end of this situation, my husband applied for a job at the church. And he didn't know he'd applied past the deadline. The secretary called up to let him know that. And when she called, he was underneath the sink trying to fix the sink. And he told her that. And she was struck by it. And she said, I I know that he's supposed to have this job. She put his resume on the top of the pile. And he did get that job. And for me, the joy in the morning wasn't simply that he got a job, but that we could see that it was a miracle Mm. that he got that job.
0: I love that. How has that led into other aspects of your life. You know, have you been able to draw from that experience as you have moved forward?
3: Yes, well, mostly what it is is to remind myself that when I'm in the middle of the trial, I shouldn't <laughs> think that that's the end of the story. <laughs> the morning hasn't come yet if it's still the middle of the night, but the morning's coming.
0: <laughs> I love hearing what great faith to have that sort of outlook, even you know, when the night seems like it's gonna be long. In verse four of Psalm 23, it talks about this notion of, yea, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And that first phrase, um, it kind of paints this picture of, we're all in this, but I will fear no evil. Almost as if it's giving us permission to have those down moments, to feel that sorrow as we go through this life, knowing what is on the other end. What are your thoughts on Just the idea that, you know, it's okay if you're suffering. It's okay if you're feeling in the dark at times.
3: Jesus Christ suffered through his entire life. He fasted in the wilderness and was tempted of the devil and suffered. He wept when he came and found out that Lazarus had died. Moses talked about the Lord weeping when he saw people sinning on the earth. So it's okay to be sad. In fact, it's part of what makes you Celestial in nature, and not maybe to wallow in it, but to experience all of these things the Heavenly Father experiences.
5: Well, let me uh, add right there in that same place uh, in in the Book of Moses, Enoch is—it's like he's learning how to mourn. He sees God weeping, and he says, "Well, how can you weep? You're holy. You've created all these things." And then he says, "Well, look around you. Look at the sorrow around you." And then. By the end of this section, Enoch is he's he's learned how to mourn. He's learned how to feel that full range of emotions. and I, I do worry sometimes that as uh, members of the church, as latter-day saints, we feel like, well, I've got to be nice and I've got to be happy and that's how I show that I believe all these things. you know, I'm nice yeah. and I'm happy. Okay, but there is something powerful about being honest about this full range of emotions. And and I think it's meaningful to others when we're honest and open Mm -hmm. in in that full range of experiences.
3: How can you mourn with those who mourn if you don't actually mourn?
5: Nobody's ever mourning. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Amen, amen. I love that. And I I agree 100%.
2: There's a point that I wanted to revisit that when you're reading Psalms, you got to think differently. Because it's not like a story that you're reading from front to end, like, and so I thought about um, how when you're in Psalms, there's a testimony, and how a lot of it is first person. You know, it's like, Lord, help me. You know, you are, you are my shepherd. You know, your your voice is like trumpets to me, and and I think about escaping, you know, um, the natural world. You know, escaping our natural trials, and knowing that wait a minute. Like you said, this is, this is a trial, this is a test, this is supposed to happen, mm-hmm. but I need to escape to Jesus. I need to be with mm-hmm. the Savior. I need some time to be uplifted and to know that I need to look at it as it is. This isn't my total reality. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a spiritual called a steal away and um, something that my ancestors sang and a lot of times it was, was to steal away, to get your mind on Jesus, just to steal away home to Jesus. Cause we're not from here, we're just <laughs> visiting. We got to go home, and the way home is through the Savior. We can't get to the Father, but through the Savior. And so that was one of the messages that is shared in, in, the, in the spiritual called Steal Away, but then also for those enslaved who had opportunities to steal away, to mm-hmm. run away. Mm-hmm. They were communicating to each other, that, hey, I'm stealing away, I'm mm-hmm. getting away. But it goes like this, steal away, steal away. Steal away to Jesus. Steal away, steal away home. I ain't got long to stay here. And it kind of goes back to that joy. Come in the morning. This this hardship is not going to last forever. It's temporary. But I'm going to steal away to Jesus. I don't have long to stay in the misery. Mm
0: Well, amen. Amen. <laughs> I, I cannot think of a better way to wrap up this portion of the episode. Thank you so much, all of you, for sharing your insights and your testimonies. Thank you for having us. Thank you. We love it. And for those of you watching at home, thank you so much for joining us. We want to invite you that as you've watched today, if you have felt an impression or prompting to do something, that you will take the courage and that you will act on those thoughts and promptings that come to you through the power of the Holy Ghost. Thanks again, and please tune in next week for another episode of Come Follow Up.
1: Come Follow Up is a production of BYU Broadcasting.